is the Ed Tech Superheroes Podcast. Here's your host, Pete Delaney. Hello out there, Ed Tech Superheroes. My name is Pete Delaney. I'm the host of the Ed Tech Superhero Podcast, and this is episode two, where we're right smack in the middle of the COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic. And, uh, and unfortunately, a lot of classrooms right now are transforming from e-learning classrooms into extended e-learning classrooms. And a lot of teachers, I think, were caught off guard by that because originally, most schools have a plan for e-learning when e-learning is going to happen over the course of a day, maybe two days, there's a weather event, four to five days tops, right? And so... Uh, now we're transformed into extended e-learning where teachers really have to do something that was first conceived of years and years and years ago, and that's flipping the classroom. The whole notion of a flipped classroom would, would be that for homework, uh, students would watch videos, they'd, they, they would try to absorb any kind of new material remotely right, for their homework, and when they were in class, they'd actually work on the homework itself, they'd work on whatever problems they had. And the idea there was that more of the in-person in-class time would be spent solving problems uh, so that so that students would actually have a chance of doing well on the homework. And if you think particularly back to your high school math classes, that's what this entailed, right? You'd get uh, an assignment from the teacher. It would make sense in class, but by the time you got through six other periods and got home and then started the homework, there's a huge gap in time in terms of what you what you remember from the class, and so the homework is much more difficult. Well, in a flipped classroom, the idea here is that you could re-watch the video, you could re-watch the content as many times as you wanted to until it made sense to you, and the teacher would be available for an hour while you were doing that homework. So it's the opposite or, or a flip of what normally happened in class. And so if you think about flipping the classroom, there were a lot of conditions that had to be right for that to really work. All students had to have access to technology. The teacher had to have a wide variety of official curriculum videos all ready to go at the beginning of the term. And and everyone had to really buy into the concept, I think, for that to, to work properly. Students had to know what to do in the event that they had questions. And it's because of that that flipping the classroom really didn't take hold for very long in many places. There were just too many conditions that had to be active for the flipped classroom to actually work. Well, fast forward to today, and we have most of those conditions met. Almost every home now has some kind of internet access. If you're in a major metropolitan area or the suburbs, you've got broadband access, right? More than likely. Every student now has a device that is relatively inexpensive and most of the teachers are familiar with the basic idea of putting content online. So if you think about it, extended e-learning is really not a new concept. This is just flipping the classroom in a more modern sense. So the whole concept of working from home and teaching and learning from home it's, it's really nothing new. We thought of this many, many years ago, and it's just getting put into practice now. And that's fascinating to me. Now, somehow, though, as teachers, I think a lot of teachers have been caught off guard by this. 
Number one, because they didn't really ever think that they'd be asked to teach remotely for this long of a period of time. And if you consider a flipped classroom, that's a permanent change, right? For the entire school year, you're going to record yourself or find videos of other people teaching the concepts that you're supposed to teach. You're going to depend on students to watch those. And all of the class time should be spent answering questions, having discussions, going over homework problems together, things that you really need an in-person teacher for in an in-class discussion. Well, over the past several years, ed tech tools have evolved to the point where we can take even some of that online. And I think for a lot of teachers, that was just something that was a possibility. You could do it if you wanted to, if you were a techie, right? If you were a techie teacher, then maybe that was something that you would do. But now that we're asking all teachers to start to record lessons and to, to think about what teaching remotely might look like, that's a huge shift in the field of education. This is something where in the history of education, there have been very few shifts as dramatic as this one. And whether this becomes something a little bit more permanent or not, we'll never know. We don't, we're, we're not there yet. But I think what's become clear is that technology is no longer optional. My group and I will go to various schools and we'd show teachers how to use technology tools. And as early as two months ago, I traveled to a school about an hour and a half south from where I'm broadcasting this from. And, and the teachers there that, that taught uh, um, junior high social studies were very clear with me that they did not want to use technology in their lessons because they didn't believe that it enhanced their instruction any. And in their eyes, if the students weren't complaining about the way that they were teaching social studies, then there was really no point in trying to make it better. And I found that to be just so offensive as a teacher. I certainly understand that not every lesson has to have technology built into it, but the fact that we still had teachers out there where they thought technology was optional, knowing how to structure online activities was optional, that was that's offensive to me. And sure enough, a couple months later, it's no longer optional. This is something that we're going to ask teachers now to live with for for a good long time. So with that in mind, I thought I'd put together here some easy, no-nonsense options, at least for the near future, where edtech companies and groups are putting things together that you should know about as a teacher during the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, the first tool comes from our friends at YouTube. This tool is called YouTube Learning, uh, Learn at Home. So the, the web address for this is learnathome.withyoutube.com. Learnathome.withyoutube.com. And what it is, it's the folks at YouTube went through the channels of YouTube and they looked at channels with videos intended for families with kids 13 and older. They looked at channels for families with kids 5 to 13 or 5 and up. And they looked at channels for families with preschoolers. And what they did was they, they found a, a bunch of content ranging from science to social studies to coding to foreign language to mathematics. And they assembled it all on a single page called learnathome.withyoutube.com. And the idea here is if you're looking for things for your, for your students to do, 
and you'd like to use someone else to help you deliver that content, content experts, right? Then this is an option for you. This is a nice, easy way to find authentic videos for helping you teach things like art and science and social studies, mathematics, and even things like reading stories to, uh, to, to students that are, that are younger. It's a nice collection of resources. I highly recommend that you check out learnathome.withyoutube.com. The next recommendation that I have is from our friends at flippity.net, F-L-I-P-P-I-T-Y.net. And this is a site that we've recommended to teachers for many years. Um, teachers, to me, always tell me that they have a hard time with spreadsheets, with Google Sheets in particular. Uh, they don't really understand spreadsheets as well as they would a Google Doc or a word processor or maybe Google Slides, which is a presentation, kind of like Microsoft PowerPoint. Google Sheets, spreadsheets just by themselves tend to scare some teachers because it's, it's a grid and you know that you can enter text and numbers in the grid. You know that it can do something with formulas and graphs, but you're not really quite sure. And what I really like about Flippity is it, it helps get teachers comfortable in Google Sheets. And there's nothing complex here. All you have to do to make a Flippity activity work is to punch in your content, hit File Publish, and then get the link. And if you've never seen Flippity before, I highly recommend you go to flippity.net. Uh, there are some great new twists on old favorites. One of my favorites is the Flippity Quiz Show. This is definitely not an e-learning activity, but it's, a, uh, it's an improvement on PowerPoint Jeopardy. That style of Jeopardy just, it, it has issues. There's no easy way to keep running score. It's difficult to edit every single individual slide. And, and with Flippity, the entire question bank is on a single Google Sheet, which I really like. Also at Flippity, you have something called the Flippity Scavenger Hunt. This is an electronic version of a breakout box. So if you've been in education for the last couple of years, at some point you've seen a breakout box. This is the digital version of that with absolutely no charge. You put your questions, you put your answers in there, you can put hints if you'd like to, you can incorporate YouTube videos and images into those questions, answers, and hints. And what you end up with is a really nice interactive experience. And Flippity has actually improved it so that when the student completes this, the, uh, the teacher can get an automatic email indicating so. So that's perfect for an e-learning activity. They also have things on there for typing practice, for flashcard review, for the game of hangman. If you're trying to, to get students to remember vocabulary words, that's an option. There's a nice little certificate quiz on there where you have to get 100% to, to get a nice little PDF certificate that you're quote unquote certified and whatever that topic of the day is. But it, it takes very little effort. The content is very customizable and it gives the students a really nice, engaging activity for an e-learning day. And that's really what e-learning is all about. E-learning is more about engaged learning and not necessarily electronic learning. Electronics, that's just simply the delivery vehicle for the learning here. But the students are engaged anytime I run a Flippity activity, and so I also recommend that you in turn check out flippity.net. The next tool that I'd like to tell you about that's really ramped up in the face of school closures is uh, PlayPosit. And so this is playposit.com. And 
Like many tools, they have a free version and a paid version, but this tool essentially allows teachers to assign students a video and yet add self-checks for understanding throughout the video. For example, if you were to assign a YouTube video to your class for an e-learning activity and that video were 14 minutes long, there are many students that would hit play, watch it all the way through, but never really pause if they had a question, never really stop to check and see if they were understanding. They kind of zone out. As we would sometimes with as adults, we'd we'd start a video, play it, laugh throughout the middle somewhere. But at the end of it, if you were to ask, okay, summarize what you've just seen, sometimes you have a difficult time with that because you weren't paying close enough attention. So what PlayPosit does is it gives teachers the opportunity to pause the video, bring it to a hard stop at, let's say, 1 minute and 16 seconds in, and ask a multiple choice or a true, false, or an essay question. And students can respond to those questions. They can rewatch the last segment of the video if they're not sure. But they're interacting now with the video at the prompt of the teacher. And what's nice about that is the teacher at the end of this gets a nice little report of who was watching the video and for how long and how did they do on the questions. It gives the teacher a sense of do the students really understand the video that I asked them to watch. PlayPosit has dramatically increased the amount that they offer for free during the coronavirus COVID-19 thing. Edpuzzle is another really nice resource for this as well. The two tools are very similar. I like them both, uh, but go and check out playposit.com. The last tool I'm going to recommend in today's podcast is an oldie but goodie for us. Um, our favorite quizzing tool for electronic quizzes is quizizz.com, quizzes.com. What I've always liked about quizzes is that the questions and the answers appear on the individual student screens. Traditionally, a tool like Kahoot, you'd have to all gather around a projector and your device turns into an answer pad, and that was okay, but students that couldn't see very well or students that didn't know a lot of the answers, they'd just be, they'd have a hard time with the activity because they just tap on the screen randomly trying to get to the top of the leaderboard, and there are a number of other issues that come with that in terms of classroom management. Uh, The one time I recommended a a Kahoot activity to a, a teacher, her principal evaluated her and said, you know, you really didn't have good control of the class through that. And that's because the class was very engaged, but it was also very noisy, and a lot of students don't do well academically in that kind of environment. So quizzes, again, quizizz.com, helps teachers to make a, a quick and easy question bank from either their own questions or the questions of other teachers that have chosen to make their quizzes public. You can then assign it to a class and add some personality and some life to it. So um, you can add memes there. You can add power-up questions. You can add now this thing called a redemption question, which means if you got it wrong the first time and I told you what the correct answer was, here's a second chance to redeem yourself. Tell me what you've learned. And in addition to that, even though we're not taking the quiz at the same time, we're still in competition with each other. So if I took it on Sunday and scored 100 points, maybe Paul takes it on Tuesday and scores 125 points, and it will bump me down to second place and put him in first place. Another person comes in and takes it the following day. They get 400 points. Guess what? Now they're in first place, and then we drop accordingly. So even though it's asynchronous, where it's not live, 
we're all still competing against one another. And I'm still surprised at the number of teachers that have not discovered yet quizzes, quizizz.com. So those are our thoughts for now in terms of e-learning and extended e-learning and some of the companies that are out there trying to make things better for us as we're navigating the unfamiliar waters of extended e-learning. In the next episode, we're going to take a look at even more tools that are helpful to teachers trying to navigate their way through extended learning and what specific steps we can take to make sure online lessons are valuable to students. So stick with it, EdTech superheroes. We're all in this together. I'm Pete Delaney. We'll see you next time. EdTech Superheroes podcast was recorded by Pete Delaney. Introduction by Alex Forbes. Our interns are Tony Garza and Angela Herrera. Our intro song is from Mad Mix on Envato Market. Copyright 2020 Delaney Consulting Incorporated. All rights reserved.